Professor Nalapat, uh, Taiwan elections, no one was expecting such a dramatic uh, change of fortunes. Uh, uh, the first female president of uh, Taiwan, she's going to take over in May now. Uh, how do you see this impacting the relations with China, which were now coming back on track? Well, I'd like to say that, uh, you know, I think we keep talking in terms of this uh, male-female kind of situation. But the reality is that both are have got equal talents and equal capabilities. So the fact that a candidate is female is really, I mean, in my view, should not make too much of a difference. I'm glad it did not make a difference to Taiwanese people. Uh, Taiwan has become a very evolved society. It's become a very modern and liberal society. And the acceptance of Dr. Tsai uh, the, by, by all groups of Taiwanese, I think, has indicated that. So far as China is concerned, of course, that's a complex question. You know, a uh, couple of months ago, we had the first ever meeting between uh, uh, between a Chinese president and a Taiwanese president, and things were looking nice. Do you think uh, the Taiwanese voters have given out a, dis- a decisive uh, a statement by 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 choosing Tsai as the next uh, president? You know, I want to remind you that in 1949, the KMT did not lose the war with the uh, with the with the PLA, the, the with the Chinese Communist Party. They, 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 they retreated to Taiwan, it's true, but there's been no surrender, mm-hmm. there's been no defeat. Mm-hmm. So technically the KMT was not defeated by the Chinese Communist Party. Mm-hmm. So in that sense, um, in, in that sense, the group that went to, uh, to Taiwan and took refuge there is equal in status to the Chinese Communist Party according to their point of view. Yeah. So in a sense, it is in fact uh, two states and one common Chinese nation. Mm -hmm. My belief is quite frankly that this issue can only be settled on a basis of one nation, one Chinese nation, but two Chinese states. Mm -hmm. For the simple reason that these are two separate states, Mm -hmm. the the communist state and the democratic state. Mm -hmm. One headquartered in Taipei, the other in Beijing. Mm -hmm. Of course, both are part of the great Chinese people. Uh, but but isn't there a sense that Taiwan doesn't want it because uh, uh, because the government has been trying to you know have uh, better ties with China by the means of all the economic and you know trade agreements and in 2014 we saw this massive uh, rally which was which was supported by all the youth of Taiwan against the trade pact and you know now uh, one and a half years down the line we have this election so they 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 want their individual identity to be you know different from the Chinese mainland. Well, I'd like to say that you look at Austria and Germany, for example. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't think the Austrians really want to be part of Germany. There was a period in which a lot of Austrians wanted to merge into Germany and they did merge and that is not a very happy period. So uh, from that point of view, the Taiwanese do definitely want to be separate from, uh, from, from mainland China. And the reason for that is largely because of the political systems in the two countries. Mm-hmm. But Taiwan has a very vigorous democracy. China is a one-party communist state. Yeah. Now, the Taiwanese would feel completely suffocated yeah. uh, in China. Yeah. Now, you can see in Hong Kong, for example, mm-hmm. the Hong Kong political system is uh, different from the mainland system. And tensions are very clear between Hong Kong and between the mainland. Tensions would be 100 times worse were Taiwan part of that particular entity. So I think the Taiwanese people are not really rejecting the fact that they are from the Chinese nation. Mm -hmm. They're rejecting the the question of Beijing controlling them. Mm -hmm. They want Taipei to control them in the sense 
they want to control themselves mm -hmm. and they don't want any control from Beijing. Mm -hmm. Now you can see Beijing is having an increasing degree of control over Hong Kong. Yeah. Hong Kong people are feeling a little uh, worried about that. Yeah. Certainly the people of Taiwan do not want that. Mm -hmm. So I would like to say that I think the question is more political mm -hmm. uh, in terms of the Taiwanese of opposition. Yeah. And I think with the, where the KMT went wrong is in fact trying to give an impression that it in fact welcomed unification mm -hmm even with communist China. Yeah. I think the KMT, frankly, it did not get defeated in 1949. Yeah. But it seems to be behaving as a defeated power now. When you see KMT leaders going to Beijing, when you see KMT leaders meeting uh, Chinese Communist Party leaders, you are seeing people who have accepted a subordinate status, yeah. who have accepted the status of people who have been defeated. So I think the modern KMT mm. has signed an invisible pact of defeat with the Communist Party, which Chiang Kai-shek never signed. Mm -hmm. Also, uh, I was reading China Daily today morning and, uh, you know, it, it warns of strained ties between China and Taiwan because of this uh, election and size, uh, you know, uh, uh, victory. Uh, so the Chinese are not taking this very, very openly or very nicely. What's your view on that? I feel that uh, China Daily has been right on some things and wrong on many things. It is completely wrong on its assessment of Dr. Tsai Ing-wen. Dr. Tsai is a, an individual who would like to see the whole of uh, Taiwan develop in a smooth way. And I'm sure Dr. Tsai understands that for that, good relations with the mainland are a very important component of that. So I do not believe that Dr. Tsai will do anything that is destabilizing for relations between the mainland and Taiwan. I don't think, for example, that she's going to go in for any kind of a declaration of independence or she's going to make a fetish of symbols of autonomy the way Chen Shui-bian did. Dr. Tsai Ing-wen is very different from Chen Shui-bian. Mm -hmm. It's like chalk and cheese. Mm -hmm. So I think, the, the unfortunately, there has been very little contact between the Chinese Communist leadership and Dr. Tsai. Uh, and as a result of that, there is an ignorance about her in the Chinese Communist leadership, which is not very healthy or helpful. I think the China Daily uh, article that you're referring to is a symptom of that ignorance. My view is that the relationship can be pleasant and productive with Dr. Tsai at the helm in Taiwan. Also, uh, in 2012, I remember uh, you had brought uh, Dr. Tsai to India and Gateway House. So tell us something about, about that time and how uh, you have seen her progress since then till, till this election. Well, I'd like to say that, you know, Dr. Tsai, I mean, is a, is a Democrat. Mm -hmm. And Dr. Tsai believes in democracy, which basically means that she doesn't have an elitist or an authoritarian view of people and the political process. You know, we have a problem here is that we have a culture in India, for example, a colonial kind of culture. So once you're a minister, once you're a senior official, you've got your red light, you've got your various ways of distinguishing yourself from the entire population. That kind of a, of a separation line between people and those in power, a genuine Democrat does not have. So the good thing about her, she's a Democrat, she's a liberal Democrat, she's got liberal values, and she wants to strengthen civil society. Now that she's president of Taiwan, I don't believe that she's going to indulge in any activity which will weaken civil society. She'll try to take civil society along. And wherever civil society is a problem, I think she'll go out of her way to adjust to that. So what I like about her, she's a Democrat. Secondly, in the case of her India visit, 
I mean, we deliberately made it a very low-key kind of situation in terms of pomp, in terms of luxury. You know, uh, the, whether it is a question of her walking around the streets of Bombay, which she did very happily, traveling by train, which she did very happily, staying in a four-star hotel, which she did very happily. She showed that, look, she is a politician who wants to be close to the people, who likes being close to the people. So I think that people of Taiwan have chosen wisely, they've chosen well. And I'd like to say this in the context of the fact that I regard President Ma Ying-jo as a good friend. I regard him as a superb leader and I regard him as a person who in the eight years that he's been in power has done a lot for Taiwan and the Taiwanese people, which I think the Taiwanese people will appreciate as time goes by. Uh, my final question, uh, we have seen in the past uh, you know, 20 months, uh, Prime Minister Narendra Modi's foreign policy has been to reset or activate ties you know, with countries which India has forgotten over the past few years. Now, Taiwan and India doesn't really have a very workable uh, relationship at the moment. Do you think with her being the president in, uh, is going to change that? You know, I honestly believe that Dr. Tsai is not going to make any provocative moves towards the mainland the way Chen Shui-bian did. I think it is a mistake for people in Beijing to regard her as a new version of Chen Shui-bian. I think she's a complete break from that. She is an individual who is pragmatic and who, of course, wants to make Taiwan develop on its own track. But this is not a track that is going to be hostile to China. From the Indian point of view, I think we should engage vigorously with the new government in Taiwan. We should have extensive contacts with the new government in Taiwan. And those contacts should be on the same level as contacts in Southeast Asia with Taiwan, contacts in East Asia, for example, Japan and South Korea with Taiwan, contacts in Europe and the US with that. Unfortunately, in India, quite frankly, let's be honest with you, we have a certain lack of courage in the bureaucracy. Our bureaucracy is not very courageous when it takes to, comes to initiative. I'll give an example. There was a, the, the visit of Dr. Sai to India was delayed for a long time because our bureaucracy simply was so terrified of China, they did not want her to come to India. And I don't see why. You know, the Chinese are pragmatic and reasonable people as well. They may say something, but at the same time, they realize that they got to cut some slack. But we took a long time for us to get Dr. Sai to visit India. I would have liked to see Dr. Sai visit again, India again last year, for example. It never happened because, again, we have a bureaucracy that's so terrified of Beijing that they didn't want to get Dr. Sai back to India. So our problem, frankly, is ourselves. Our problem is that we don't understand our potential, we don't understand the freedoms we have, and therefore we operate in a way in which we don't take advantage of the freedoms we have, we don't take advantage of the potential we have. The potential for India-Taiwan cooperation is immense, but for that potential we actualize, our bureaucracy has got to give up this paralyzing fear of China. And I'm talking this from the point of view of someone who is very friendly to China who admires the Chinese Communist Party and would like to see very close relations between China and India. In that context, I'd like to say, I'd like to say we should show the same boldness to China in, without worrying too much about, let's say, the United States. We should show the same boldness to Taiwan without worrying too much about the Chinese Communist Party. So we need to have approaches which actualize potential and which actualize opportunity without really worrying about the impact on others for simple reason, our country is too big to be ignored by any power. 
and our country, so long as this does not go against the core interests of any power, I do not believe that we should sacrifice our independence of action. So, so far as Taiwan is concerned, in my view, there's a very strong scope for a very vigorous engagement, and I'm really hopeful that in the three and a half years that Prime Minister Modi has got, that in the four years that Dr. Sai has got in this term, both these individuals will ensure a very strong relationship between Taipei and New Delhi. Uh, Professor Narapath, it's always a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you. Thank you. You were listening to a Gateway House podcast. Thank you for listening.